Welcome to another episode, another fantastic episode tab of Sales with Aslan, where our goal is to equip, elevate, and encourage. Tab, mm. that's our happens. tagline. And it, it happens. happens. Our goal is, and we're, I think we're successful. Yes. And we're, we're going to dive into part two with Andy Paul. Love the last episode. If you didn't, if you didn't hear that last episode, um, where we talked to Andy Paul, who is the uh, the podcast. He has a podcast called Sales Enablement with Andy Paul. He's an author of three books, and he's talking about his best-selling book, The uh, Selling Without Selling Out, A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms. And if you missed the last episode, you got to hear the foundation he sets and our role in selling. I thought it was a fantastic tab. Yeah. No, it was incredible. And and this what we're going to talk about this week mm-hmm. um, is, you know, it's just amazing as well. I mean, we got into a lot, a lot of really good stuff when he gets into the four pillars, you know, that drive success, which yeah. I think are amazing. And I, the thing that I just pay attention to his piece on curiosity. Yeah. I love the piece on the, what is it? Intellectual humility. Intellectual. So. He talks about one of the pillars is curiosity. And I, I, um, I've always said that curiosity is, it should be a value, like Ooh. being curious. It should be a corporate value to be curious to, because yeah. it shows such respect for who you're talking to, that they know something that you, that you don't know that you can learn from them. Uh, and, and that it also demonstrates that you're willing to learn. I mean, what does it say about us? If we're saying, I have nothing to learn from you, (laughs) I have anything you say, I don't care. I have nothing to hear or learn or I need to receive from you. That's not a great message to someone who we want to influence. Plus, it says that we're at a place in our life we have nothing to learn. Well, I mean, I love the intellectual humility sticks with me because it's Mm -hmm. just the definition is you might be wrong. Yeah. Admitted. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love And that's that. really so, where we need to pay, you know, where we need to pay attention is when we hear something from someone that we disagree with. That's when we learn. If we only yes. hang around and 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 deposit information that already aligns with what we know or we agree with, mm-hmm. we learn absolutely nothing. Exactly. I really want to tune in to when you say something that's completely radical to something I believe. I'm like, okay. That's an opportunity for me to grow. Yeah, that's crazy. Let's right. go. That's, Let's dig that's into where that. we need to pay attention to that. Yeah. So this is just one of the topics that he that he un- unpacks and when he talks about the the four pillars that drive success. And and here's the cool thing: it's going to separate you. What he talks about in this in this part two of, of this of this wonderful podcast series that we've got going on here. We got a series. A mini series. series. It's a mini series. Is this a mi- this is a mini series? Mini this series. Is a, yeah, this is not a major series. Made, a made for TV minis- mini yeah. series. <laughs> made for, made for podcast, <laughs> mini series. Uh, it, it, there's very, I mean, I, you and I have worked with thousands of sellers in our oh, yeah. in our in our career. Very, very few people do what he's encouraging us to do. And if you do it, you will be different. You will make more money, yeah. and you will be more successful, and you will enjoy your 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 role as a seller. Yeah. So let's dive into part two. Let's talk about it. Let's shift because we've been, we've been, it's been a good dive into the kind of this current state, the problem. Right, I'd right. love to spend some time or carve out some time, talk about the solution that you're bringing to the table and the, sure. the four pillars, connection, curiosity, understanding, and generosity. That was mm-hmm. very disruptive to me. I love, <laughs> I love, I loved that. I can't tell you how much I love seeing, oh, build value. Nope. 
generosity. I just, I thought that was great. So uh, I'd love to, to dedicate a little bit of time to sure. all of them, but I don't know if we're going to be able to pull that off, but let's start with connection. And I want to read a quote from the book, engage with the connections about engage with a buyer on a human level, which is what we've been talking about to earn their trust and the permission to stick your nose into their business. <laughs> That's it, right? That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> I talk about getting the invitation until right. the customer invites you in. Yes. They say, I'd like you to come in and nothing happens until you get an invitation. Right. So talk to me a little bit about how you teach sellers to get, to connect. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, and, you know, once the meeting starts and right. how do we, and, and, and also apply to, which I don't know that the book really addressed getting the meeting. I think it was more about your, your yeah, yeah, no. but love to hear your thoughts on how to do that. Yeah, I mean the idea of connecting is is one again. It's yeah, you know, there are people today. Yeah, you know, have mm -hmm. voices in the sales world who say you don't need to connect with the buyer. What are you talking about? Yeah, you know, buyer doesn't want to connect with you. They don't need human connection. They have friends. And right. I'm like, well, there's the problem right there because mm -hmm. you are so uh, unnuanced, if I can create a word, uh, in your understanding <laughs> of human relationships and how humans mm -hmm. work that you think that just this the need to be connected with someone means that you're friends mm -hmm. it's not that at all right mm -hmm. i mean you're right your buyer's got enough friends you don't want to be friends with with your you don't have to be friends with your buyers if you want to, that's fine but but it's just humans the trust comes from the connection you know, if yeah. you can talk with a human is you have to be connected at some level with them some level of rapport some level of of empathy for them and them for you, some level of vulnerability, uh, some level of credibility you have to exist, you have to demonstrate because they're inundated with people asking them questions and you've mm -hmm. experienced this and I've experienced this. I, I'm sure I'd said it in this book, but I've said it before is, is yeah, buyers are no obligation to answer your question truthfully or fully. Right. Just because you they ask don't, them. if you don't have that information, <laughs> Yeah. If you don't have that understanding. Right. What do you, yeah. you, you really don't know what to, you don't know what to recommend. You don't know what they really care about. You don't know who's making the decision. Exactly. And so the point of connecting is to be able to get to that mm -hmm. position of trust where, yes, they are give, basically giving you permission mm -hmm. to ask these questions, to give you the answers you want, and permission to influence the choices and trade offs they're going to make in terms of deciding what the ultimate acquisition you know, purchase will be mm -hmm. and people just want to glom right by it you know their sales trainers talk uh small talk they don't have time for small talk mm -hmm. it's like well sure they don't have time for 20 minutes of small talk but <laughs> but you know there's been bodies of research about how small talk enables this connection and enables relationships yeah, it hasn't changed. People think mm -hmm. somehow we've evolved in the last 10 years that our brains have evolved. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's just not important. It's just not true. People are still people and they want to know that you're interested in them. And, and so mm -hmm. this, you know, connection is, is, you know, show up and be prepared to ask the buyer something that has interested them, mm -hmm. right? It could be business. It could be personal. It's just, but, you know, I like to say is if you know, 
<laughs> I've written a post about this where I say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to use the F word in this post. <laughs> <laughs> and the F word is friends because <laughs> the way you connect with a human being is the same, whether it's in business or social life, right? If you right. get, if you go to a party with a you know, kid's party that, you know, parents are there, maybe, you know, soccer team parents are whatever, and you don't know them and you're, you meet someone. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You ask something about them, right? You hope. You hope. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm amazed how that doesn't happen. Yeah, but that's that's what that's what you'll do. Is right. Is you'll ask. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, where do you live? You know, what do you do? So on mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, yeah. How long have you lived here? Pretty simple stuff, yeah. right? Or, as I say in this post, or before you went, did you role play lines with your significant other about you know? How we make them best our best friends, right? And I mean, it's like, <laughs> no, you just show up as a human being. You're curious, you're interested in other people. The way you make yourself interesting to other people is to be interested in them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. So there's never been easier to find out information about the people you're going to meet with, to be armed with questions that you can ask that just sort of start the conversation. Mm-hmm. It used to be, and you, Tom and Tab, you and I, you know, we all out in the field in our careers carrying bags. Yeah. I'd walk in the office. I'd scan the walls first and foremost, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Where'd you shoot that deer? Yeah. Where'd you <laughs> shoot that deer? Where do you play your golf? You know, our kids are on a soccer team. Right. And then yeah. you ask questions about it. And it's a simple way to start building some level of connection with somebody. Yeah, sometimes there are people that were a little more difficult than others. You know, there's a great story with uh, Jerry Seinfeld told about his father was a salesperson who who would encounter people, and we've all encountered, just aren't giving you anything back. Right. Yeah. And so Seinfeld, Seinfeld's dad was, he played this game with himself. He called Break the Face. Yeah. And his job is he wanted to make them laugh. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> if nothing else he got accomplished during that call, it was to make that person laugh. And I, I sort of feel the same thing and have throughout my career. It's like you meet somebody who's you know, so full of themselves or whatever. It's like, yeah, what can I do to break that bubble with self-importance? Yeah, and open them up. And open them up. And it was yeah. it was fun. Well, you're trying to be different, which I think you know, we talk a lot about that. You know, yeah. we, it's like we don't we want to do it differently. I mean, mm-hmm. like you say, the traditional approach is not really working. Yeah. Well, you bring yourself to it, right? And this mm-hmm. is this is this is the thing is how do I bring the best version of myself to this yeah. thing I'm doing on a day in, day out basis that that aligns with my my values, my character, and my strengths. And it's necessarily going to be different from the way other people do it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Now that freaks out sales leaders these days because they want everybody to be a cookie cutter, you know, clone of that next person. And it's just not the way it works. And I think, yeah, the way that I, I always attack that, I hate that that way I've set that up, but it addressed that because there are right. people that are thinking about the rep that doesn't know how to have that conversation. And they right. got way too much small talk to a, a high D driver, right. A type decision maker who you say, hey, I see you remember you like golf. And they go, yep. 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 And, and the decision maker thinking, oh, look, I got 30 minutes, get to it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but there is a way, I mean, and I always just drill it down to, you can either talk about what you want to talk about or you talk about what they want to talk about. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so find out what they want to talk about. And, and there is usually some sort of agenda that they have about, hey, I want to, you're here for a reason, sort of yes. the, the Bud Fox meeting with Gordon Gecko, you know, right. you know, hey, why are you here? I hope you're intelligent. What do you have? I meet with 50 brokers a day. What's up? But there's, but what's true is everybody has the same deeper emotional needs. They're doing what they're doing mm-hmm. to meet an emotional need. Mm-hmm. And so it might not be the first three minutes. Mm-hmm. And it might not, you know, you may not be the funniest person in the world, so that doesn't work for you. But if you find <laughs> out, it, you can connect with a five-year-old, or you can connect with a fifteen-year-old. You can connect with an eighty-year-old, or you can connect with the CEO of of FedEx if you yes. focus on what they're interested in. Yes, they're all Absolutely. interested in something. Yeah, you just right. got—that's the game. You got to explore, and find it, figure it out. Yeah, and sometimes like, they're mean up front or they're hard up front. That's okay. Stay focused on them, and you're going to be okay. You'll yeah, figure it out. I mean, and yeah, if you're genuinely interested. Genuine. I think that's the key thing. People that's like it. will 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 like ask a question, and they're like, "Okay, okay, Andy told me to ask a question." And I did. And they don't even know what the person's saying. Because right. you talk about the ability to make the, the follow-up question, right. which will mm-hmm. kill a great question is a poor follow-up question. But the yep. ability to look at somebody and say, um, how did you do that? Or how did you get here? Or what's important to you? Or, you know, it, exactly. you may have to wander around a bit. And I also think it's important to clarify, and you point this out in the book, that relationship determines influence. It's not, it's not about the friend thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about you're opening the door to have the difficult conversations and have that level of connectedness that leads to trust, which means they listen to you. When, right. When, you know. Yeah. I mean, you you brought up so many great points there. It's, and yeah, I like to relate a story in early part of my career, my first sales job selling, you know, sort of <laughs> big computer systems, though that yeah, fraction of the processing power of an iPhone, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's ten million dollars and it's, it's lower dollars, than right. an iPhone. Yeah. That's right, and, <laughs> and it takes up three floors. Right, but you can do your spreadsheets now. Yeah, well, in that case, you could do your your payroll. Um, your payroll, yeah, right. And yeah, selling into the construction industry and and straight out of college, I could show you a mm. picture. I, looked 16, maybe generous, uh, knew nothing about business, certainly knew nothing about the construction industry. But I was like, well, why are these business founders and CEOs and so on giving me their time? Yeah. Because I showed up as interested. I was curious. I wanted to learn, right? I wanted to learn about their business. And I found that as long as I was demonstrating a sincere interest in learning about them, that I got almost as much time as I wanted. Yeah. When they, when it was sincere. You weren't sincere. And mm-hmm. that was just, yeah. Cause I was sincerely, mm-hmm. I am still sincerely curious. I mean, it's just it's sort of me. Mm-hmm. I um, love it. It's one of the four pillars. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, we can all be curious. You know, we, we sort of, unfortunately, curiosity gets trained out of people these days, right? Uh, we get more, more compliance and more, you know, there's, it's funny. I, one of my, Writers I, I've read widely is Ralph Waldo Emerson. I've quoted him several times in the book. And, and yeah, he was writing back in like the 1840s about, you know, the damaging trends in American society is this push for conformity. And the fact is it's, it's still present. It's, still, it's yeah. Yeah, worse in sales than ever before. And so what we do is we sort of tell people, well, here's the script. Go ask these questions. Or if people have too many questions, you know, there's research that 
company called Box of Crayons out of Canada published last year that showed that people consider people ask too many questions to be disruptive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how often has somebody sort of heard, well, enough of the questions, just do what you're told. <laughs> I'm tired of all these questions. <laughs> well, but it's saying this is from the boss to the seller, right? right? right. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. And it's like, sure, happens all the time. <laughs> just do what you're told. Right, just yeah. follow it. Yeah, stop with the questions. Do you um, think curiosity is a DNA thing? I mean, do you think it's it's because you do see people that are quote unquote naturally curious? Uh, they're always whether you know they're wondering why do things work and how did that happen? And there's other people that are sort of you know head down, focus on simple and or is what is it is it teachable? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it is. And what's the what's the key to learning to be curious? Because I think curious is a value. I, just, I mean, I think about, you have yeah. to. I mean. It, I think everybody's born with the same amount of curiosity, right? Okay. okay. Yeah, that's good. So I'm very intrigued by this. And, okay. Really? That's and, an interesting point. Yeah. I think how we're socialized as we're raised has a lot to do with it. Okay. And so, I mean, if you're brought up in a household where curiosity is discouraged, you know, it's very, everything's discipline, you know, so on and so forth. Don't I mean, ask questions. Do don't ask questions. You. Just do what told. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, you probably get grow up and think, well, hmm, curiosity is not something that's rewarded; it's punished. Mm-hmm. And yeah, or you're I, made to feel stupid or incompetent for the questions that you yeah ask. for the questions. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a household where yeah, we had fairly strict rules, but you know, dinner time conversations were pretty lively because I was the youngest of four, and my oldest brother's yeah probably genius level smart and. And everybody else was, you know, the family loved reading. Uh, my parents mm-hmm. were both avid readers. Mm-hmm. My mom always had a book. I mean, she probably more than any of us was reading books constantly. And so we all, yeah, it was a fight to compete, <laughs> to talk at dinner table. Yeah. But it's all based on, yeah, everybody read the newspaper and, you know, want to talk with books. And yeah. It was so encouraged. I think, yeah, it was encouraged. And so I think, people can overcome that if they get in the environment where they're supported appropriately mm-hmm. by the people that are mentoring and coaching them and giving them the rope to explore their curiosity. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is a right about in the book, the difference between, you know, sales leaders and sales bosses. Yeah, and, I love that. I love that. And I think, unfortunately, most leaders these days are sort of trending into just being bosses, just you mm-hmm. know, dictatorial, do this. This is the way we do things. Don't ask questions. Just these are the numbers. Do these activities. Mm-hmm. Do what and I tell I, you to do. Say what I tell yeah. you to say. Deliver the billboard. Right. And I obviously was fortunate in my career to have you know, a number of bosses that said, okay, yeah, we'll give you the rope to hang yourself, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> you know, go do it your way. And I wasn't disruptive and I was still a team player. I still needed all the resources of the companies to help me sell. But yeah, I always thought, okay, that'd be a better way to do it. And that was just purely driven by curiosity because I could see that the way everybody else was doing it or most people were doing it just wasn't going to work for me. Well, you got to work. That's I interesting. I'm, I'm sorry, Tom, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, I wanted to comment on what you taught me. I remember something you did at ScanSource, one of our clients, years ago because he was trying to teach the reps to be curious because they right. were in a very kind of reactive customer call and they would order and they were account managers and they would order certain things. And we, we were trying to get them to be more proactive and be curious and ask mm-hmm. questions and move beyond the stated need. 
And Tab had him ask just three questions. Like he just said, I want to add three questions. It was so simple, but it blew their mind because all of a sudden it opened all these doors to, oh, wow. I, I, you know, and I think that was a great learning for me and them as just, if you're not, if you you grew up in a family, right. Or you're, you don't Mm -hmm. feel naturally curious or you feel barriers to curiosity. It's just that maybe add a question or two or three. Mm Mm-hmm. To every meeting that is not part of the script, as you'd say, and you've given Absolutely. some great frameworks for leading discovery and being curious. So I encourage people to read the book and learn about what Andy, you've got six types of questions. You, mm-hmm. you just got a real tactical, which we're, you know, we're talking philosophical on this podcast, but there's a lot of really rich tools in the book. But t- I thought that was great, Tab. That, no, know, that it's, it's funny you say it because I had a, a woman. She, this is one of my favorites along those lines. She was probably 75 years old. Oh, and she came through and, and she's in sale. It, yeah. And she's yeah, just, she walked up to me and she goes, <laughs> Tab, I love this class, but I'm petrified. I've been taking orders at this company for 30 years or whatever it was. Yeah. I've never really asked a single question other than <laughs> what part do you need and how fast do you need it? And I said, she goes, but now I'm kind of interested in curiosity, being curious, but I'm scared to death. And I said, Susan, just one question, just one. And you pick your favorite. You got a favorite? She said, I said, I can't wait. I'm going to be back here. And I cannot wait to find out what you start learning about some of these people you've been serving for so long. And I mean, I'm telling you, I saw her about a month later and she, she was beaming. She mm-hmm. said she and it's 70 something years old. She's right. completely transformed herself <clears throat> by that one thing, being a little bit curious. Well, and think I how much that. more she was enjoying the job. Yes. That's the thing that I try to impress on people. It's, it's, it's like, you're hopefully in this for a career. Yeah. You have to enjoy it. Exactly. And to me, the key to enjoying it, and I've been extremely fortunate in my career. I've done some really interesting, fabulous things, sold a number of things that were sort of the firsts and of type in the tech world, selling every continent but Antarctica. Wow. But what made it fun was just, yeah, just meeting all these fun people, having oh. these fun experiences. I wouldn't have been able to have any of those if I hadn't started from this sort of place of curiosity. I mean, I... I always, in my career, I progressed from, you know, different types of selling to different types of products that I had no basis in at all. You know, what, that's what drove me in my career was I wanted to find somebody really smart to work for. And I wanted to find something that just was different. seemed like it'd be really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. So I let you, but your idea of, and I know we mentioned this earlier, and I think this is so important. We have to address it, but this idea of intellectual humility, is that what you mm-hmm. called it? Yes. Yeah. I never yeah. heard that before. Like, I was at a rap concert Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> let that, now now let that I'm just, curious. Let just, I'm really let curious. Let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> I, w- I was at a rap concert. I did not meet the profile of the typical <laughs> participant in this concert. Probably not. Yeah. Audience. And, and, um, it doesn't matter why I was there, but, but I can go into that concert and go, this is not music, right? You know, music is Billy Joel, Fleetwood Mac, Eagles, <laughs> you know, John Mayer, you know, uh, I can, Adele. There has, there has been new music in the last 20 years. <laughs> I know. Not for Tom. Yeah. No, no, or I could, or I could go, there's a reason these people are going crazy. Yeah. Right. There's a reason that my 15 year old grandson who's standing beside me loves KB. Hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Hip hop. And so I can either go like, there's something I don't know. There's Mm -hmm. something I don't understand. 
or there's something that you know they don't understand they're wrong right which is which is a ridiculous way to connect with people it's a yeah. ridiculous way to influence like we should start with the fact that i'm wrong there's yeah. a reason all these people are doing mm. what you know they're, they're waving their hands and they're doing their thing and I mean, there was people with their phones on and they were, I mean, it was just a whole different world that I grew up in, but I love that idea. Um, Cause it ultimately comes down to this idea that, that they're important. Mm -hmm. Like you're respecting who they yeah. are and what them and what they care about. It's, it's really not that complicated. No. And it's, it's, I say this specifically in the book is, is, you know, making an effort to understand somebody gives value to the things that are important to them. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, we think about that in a life context and a sales context, that's hugely important, right? Is, is respect. And right. when you're out there, you know, the heavy push, heavy persuasion, you know, just trying to plow through things, there's no respect there. You're not mm -hmm. respecting the buyer, you're not respecting the things that are important to them. And, and I just, yes. Yeah, we live in this world where products and services are increasingly look alike, uh, just by nature of the technology and so on. Is the margins of winning and between winning and losing are really small. Yeah. Mm. I and mean, you have to assume they are. And I, one of the favorite questions I love to ask sellers is I said, So tell me, how much did you win your last deal by? And they're like, <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. And I'll, right, say, yeah. I'll, I'll say, well, yeah. what, what was your margin of victory? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't quantify it. Yeah. It's right? like, I have no idea. What do you mean? So you well, have you, to. Sometimes you can if you get the spreadsheet. Well, but well it's not, that's but true. It's I guess a, you could. But it's not sometimes. always dollars and cents. Yeah, that's you know? true. Right. 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 Low price doesn't always win. So, mm -hmm. so I said, you have to think about it. It's, you know, it's, it's these things you do one of them could be really important to your buyer. You just don't know. Mm. And so that's why you, everything has to be sort of your A game. You mm. know, you have to be connected. You have to be curious. You have to have ask great questions. You have to make sure you really understand because the margins are so fine. That can be the difference between winning and losing. And you should assume that is always the case. Yeah. That's and, and it's just that respect comes across very mm -hmm. clearly to people. And yeah, there was an argument, quote unquote argument with somebody a couple of months ago about, yeah, I've got a relatively well-known person in the sales who's saying, you don't even need to be friendly to your buyers. And I'm like, <laughs> well, sure. In absolute sense, you don't have to, I guess, right? It's not zero sum. You might win some, but why wouldn't you be? It costs you nothing. Right, it costs you nothing, and we know from you know Robert Cialdini's uh, follow-up book called Persuasion, and mm. as well as his new book just came out. Um, forget the author's name, but it's called Platonic. It's about mm. you know building relationships as adults, and it's very research is very clear: is people are more likely to want to do business with people who they think like them. Yeah, mm. yeah. We always talk about people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. Actually it's equally important to the people they feel that you like them because mm -hmm. that's, that's a form of respect as well. That's what makes mm -hmm. you attractive. And what and makes so, you attractive is what, how you treat them. Or yeah. Like so them. these, yeah. these, these things that seem small and insignificant, people think, Oh, people are too busy for these things and so on. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. And the more mm -hmm. you bring yourself as a human being to this pursuit of selling, the more you're going to win. Mm. Agreed. 
Awesome. Well, let's cl- let's close. I know we've 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 um, we've spent a lot of time together going through these great concepts, but I got we got to at least address this last one. Oh yeah, okay. generosity. Gen- yeah, wrap generosity. it up with generosity. Selling right. when well done, you wrote in the book, is an act of generosity. I <laughs> yeah. love that. So connect this idea to 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 the building the value of your of your recommendation, which because you do talk about value. Sure. Getting value. Well, but I mean, just at the beginning to expand on that sentence as mm-hmm. you know as i say in the book is you know your job is to listen to your buyers right really listen to somebody that's an act of generosity mm-hmm. understand the things that are truly most important to them well that's an act of generosity and then help them to get that that also is a generous act so you just break down selling itself it is an act of generosity but the thin thing is you talk about in the book is you know how do you be uh, an effective giver mm, right yeah. with the buyer because we have we have the obligation to make effective use of the time and attention of of the buyer that mm. they give us and in order to do that then is we have to be effective in how we give them things of value that move them closer to making a decision and it requires a level of intentionality about how you give which i think is generosity to help the buyer do that. And because I'm a huge believer in, I've experienced this throughout my career, is that, and I talk about in the last chapter of the book, is that most people aren't, most buyers aren't out looking to make the absolute best decision. They're trying to make a good, good enough choice. Mm. I like your yeah. comment about that, yeah. And, and so Herbert Simon, Nobel Prize winning economist and psychologist, written extensively about this uh, you know, he came up with this idea that people are sort of fall into one or two categories so either satisficers when they make decisions or they're maximizers and satisficing is a conjoined word he made up that says uh, it's a combination of satisfy and suffice mm-hmm. and he found in his research when people are looking to make decisions they typically will research the alternatives until they find one that satisfies the requirements and suffices to enable them to achieve their desired outcomes. Mm-hmm. So you combine satisfy and suffice, and that's satisfies. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so what I've seen numerous times and, and experienced many, many times myself is that I knew I started to set these milestones. I knew that if I could be the first to connect, the first to ask the questions, really understand the buyer, the first to build trust, uh, the first to, you know, get to this point where we could start creating this vision of success together with the buyer, of what success will look like using our product and service, that I could be the first to get that customer to the f- point where they said, oh, well, this is good enough. Right. And yeah. it didn't always mean that you got the order right at that point in time, but oftentimes it meant is I was their choice, right? Yeah. And short of doing anything to screw it up, I was going to get the order. Yeah. And, and once I sort of understood this in my career, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, this, this sort of changes things. Because I really want to focus on how can I help the customer through what we're calling the, the, uh, the what stage before, right? Is, mm-hmm. is to help them really understand what the, what the problem is they're trying to achieve and, or excuse me, address and, and the outcomes they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Faster I could make that happen then I knew I was sort of in the inside track. Uh, Cause then look, I had the understanding. I was the first real understanding 
then we can start working together to say, okay, what's success going to look like using our product and service? Yeah, that's that's a generous act to them because suddenly you're saying is, look, if, I don't think buyers set out to spend in general a year to make a decision that they could make in six months if the seller enabled them to do that. Right. Especially in today's market. I mean, right. They are so overwhelmed. Everybody's so overwhelmed with information, right. and the amount of choices. They just... They buy, so if they go, if you if you like, hey, this is good enough, and they can move on to the next thing, it makes sense because they don't have the time to even respond to or do the mm. research or. Just, uh, well, you know, but the thing Simon navigate. found out yeah. in his research was that the reason people satisfy is they make the calculation that the incremental return I'm going to get from the additional investment of time just isn't there. Yeah, I love that. And so, if I have a problem, why not start addressing it now? Mm -hmm. Right. Versus so I found waiting. a solution. It's going to work. It's going to help me. And, and this is the way most people operate. And you look at stakeholders and a decision today, they, they are yanked away from their day job. Mm. We made part of this committee. And I, I was on a committee that was, you know, buying an ERP system years ago. <laughs> and it was, that term in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was, you know, illuminating, but painful at the same time. But people, yeah, what do they want to do when they have the sales sort of extra burden put on them? They want to get it done, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to they don't want it last forever. So, yeah, if you can be sensitive to this idea is, look, what's the buyer trying to do? Well, the buyer's trying to quickly gather and make sense of the information they need to make a decision, an informed decision, with the least investment of their time, attention, or resources possible. That's the best the buyer's job. That's what they that. want. Make that happen. Yeah. You know, win the deal. It's yeah, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. This is what they're trying mm -hmm. to do. Can you help them make it happen? If you can, then more often than not, you'll win the business. And it's, yeah, we've, we've made things so complex, mm -hmm. unnecessarily complex. And we focus on the wrong metrics in sales. Yeah. I started on a Twitter war with some VC about this a number of years ago. He's like, there's no art in sales. It's just a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, first of all, you're a buffoon, but secondly, is, <laughs> that's good. That's a good, I like that. I'm going like to use that. that. Yeah. Buffoon. Well, I didn't say that. Is that, is that in the book? Is that in the book? Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but secondly is yes, everybody has numbers and sales, right? I, I knew what my ratios were. We all, they're inescapable. It is a numbers game at some level. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's not the game you want to be. It's not the primary game you're playing. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, if you want to have numbers, Say, sure. I, instead of having, you know, 100 dials to yield two meetings, how can I do it in 20? Right? Whoever to the point tab you're making before us is early in the conversation. What sales leader is saying to their, their SDRs, yeah, let's approach this differently. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get, you know, if your quota is five meetings a week, if you can do that in 20 calls as opposed to 100, I'm going to pay you extra money. Yeah. And you don't think they would be making less calls within about a month? Of course they would be. <laughs> right. And, but we just have these incentives that are backwards. It's not about, it's all about more mm. as opposed to better. And so I like to say is you can't do more until you do better first. And then you can do more better. Well, that's uh, truth to live by right there. <laughs> right there. And so... <laughs> I think one of the biggest challenges to implementing, you know, or driving change and helping sellers become more effective and in increasing mm -hmm. their close rate and, and implementing all the things we talked about 
is really the, I think the frontline leader plays a critical role in that. And I think they're so distracted and they don't trust their ability or give them the bandwidth. I mean, I remember one time we trained this organization and we rolled out this huge initiative. We spent all this time and everybody bought in, everybody was excited. And literally a week later, they had all the managers doing all these analysis on, on what doesn't matter, but completely remove them from coaching their reps right after right. we implemented the training. And like, <laughs> it's like, what, what are you, are you doing? doing? It's like, this is, you know, they're athletes. They have to, they're, you know, selling yes. is very similar to learning any sort of, you know, being an athlete, learning to play, it takes practice. And, yes. you know, you have to learn these core capabilities. It's not complicated. And the ones that we've studied this over and over again, it's like, this is part of us validating the impact of right. training is saying, here's all your people that are hitting your number, killing your number or crushing it or in this category of high performers. This is what they do. Well, look, look at the people that don't do that. Let's look, this is what they don't do well, or this is what they're doing. And you just compare it. It's like, it's clearly a capabilities thing, which means they have to learn the cell. They have to learn right. how to do these things. These are skills that you develop. And uh, yes, yeah, some of them can do it. You know, they can self-develop, but most can't. Oh yeah, no, and, and this extends back to what we were, <laughs> we were talking about here in the conversation is yeah. There's this coaching. Is, I agree, hundred percent. It's the single most thing of, of biggest impact you can do. But here we have this huge disconnect these days, and we assume that these young people that we're bringing into sales and we put them into an on you know ninety day onboard onboarding mm. program and throw them into the you know to the sharks, is we assume that they know how to connect with a human being. We assume right. that they know how to ask a question, how to be curious. And the fact is, oftentimes they don't. And right. and it's it's become more pronounced because we have in the younger generations coming through, and it's again, not a criticism, just it's a different world they raised than when we were. They're not on the phone talking to people. Right. Their, their life is asynchronous messaging. Yeah. And then we throw them into an environment where they need to pick up the phone and call people. Yeah, right. Good point. Yeah, it's like and I've never done this before. Wait, wait, they've wait, never talking, done it before. Connecting to a human being. Wow. And so, yeah. So this is why this has to be part of it. This, this is and this sort of the the gap that we're exposed with the book and so on. Is this, you know, people buy from people, which means we have to train people how to be more human, mm-hmm. and and give them this this knowledge because they don't have it. And it's hard to acquire through trial and error. Uh, some, you know, some will, but we could help people with that. And it just has to be done because you know, it's just a different world out there that people are coming into. And so then we we assume, oh, 90 days is enough. Well, it's like, well, why is 90 days enough? Why is that the benchmark? Yeah, but every VC-backed company says, oh, we're losing productivity and you know, mm-hmm. pipeline. If we're not, it's like, and it's like, well, no one's ever done the correlation to say, well, Maybe if we took them six months to onboard that a year later, they'd be more productive than if we only gave them 90 days. Right. Again, no one's looking at that. And I'd be willing to bet that probably be the case. But that's what we learned from, uh, we had Raina Reimersmith on our podcast with the VP of Enterprise for MuleSoft podcast recently. And um, it's exactly what they're onboarding. Six months. Yeah. And he's all in. And it's a lot of the things you're talking about. And it's- And it works. Yes. Right. I mean, because you can't lose sight of the fact that to some degree or another, sales is an apprenticeship. Yes. And well, and it's a skill, it's a craft. People learn at different rates. People learn, you know, may take six months for some people to sort of get it after they finish their onboarding. It may take some people 
more or less, that's fine. We have to be able to accommodate these individual differences. But yeah, we just, there's just been mindset become so pervasive for the most part about, you know, these things have to happen in this time, this time, but we're not enabling people with the right skills. And to the point Tom made, which is perhaps the most important one of all, we're not enabling our managers with the right skills to be able to coach these people and develop them. Yeah. And yeah, maybe it requires a complete rethinking of how we structure sales that I I advocate, you know, if managers aren't going to coach, then hire coaches. Right. Or I mean, provide some sort of level of mentorship. Yeah. There are some people mm. who are professional coaches. Hire them, change the organization. Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, we don't have the money. It's like, yeah, there's plenty of money, right? <laughs> is, right. Is, You'll go to a trade show and spend yeah, right. twice. Or, or even, yeah, mental health issues. We know sales is incredibly stressful. We know from the mm. uh, uncrushed uh, survey that came out last year that, you know, 75% of sellers are reporting some level of, you know, mental distress, anxiety, mm. whatever. Put a therapist on board. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, if, if, if you got a 5% uptick in performance from a number right. of people, how many people do you need to have on your sales team? So it makes financial sense to have that resource available. It's, it's not rocket science. I mean, just mm -hmm. yeah. people are living in the real world. Yeah. You know, leaders just need to take, uh, you know, a new look being generous to them, uh, a new look at how you're supporting, enabling your sales teams and, Unfortunately, we still, technology notwithstanding, we're still fundamentally managing sales the way we did a hundred years ago. Yeah, just, that's what, yeah, that's what I was saying earlier insane. about this kind of comes from the, the industrial revolution and how we yeah, managed absolutely. Uh, manufacturing versus it's evolved and it's, right. it's, uh, it's got to adjust. Right. So it's anyway, lots of, lots of things that if we well, were in charge of the world, if we were in, if we oh, were in charge of the world, it'd be well, so Well, we fixed better. a lot of things on this podcast. Oh, we yes. Every we did. sales organization in the world. Well, we've, take heed. We've, we, yeah, we've, we've, we've taught people how to have a human connection mm -hmm. and, and, and the four pillars that, that drive influence and success in sales. So I think, we've, I think we can probably chill. Yeah. All right. I think beer. our work is done here. Our work is right. done here. I think we've I earned think a cold is. beer or a mm -hmm. beverage of choice. <laughs> beverage of well. choice. <laughs> yeah, where you guys are. That's, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. That's where we. I've, yeah, I've still got a couple, myself, the, a couple, a couple of meetings. Not in the west. Still. Yeah, <laughs> now you got a couple of. Uh, well, Andy, tell our audience where they can find more information about you. Obviously, the book, but anything else they need to be aware of that you. Um, sure. I know you got a podcast, so let them yeah. know how they can find you. I have a podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul. Just, I don't know. We're just getting off the ground. We've got about 1,100 episodes so far. So just uh, started. Just 1,100. Just started. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can buy my book, Sell Without Selling Out, uh, subtitle, A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms, which we didn't really talk about, but that's you know, subtext we were talking about. Yeah. I love uh, that. Available wherever books are sold. Uh, if you want to connect with me, LinkedIn, probably the best place to connect. Um search for Andy Paul on LinkedIn. You'll find me. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, my friend. This is, this been, is fun. Uh, this is a lot love, of fun. love. I loved our conversation when I was on your podcast. Yeah, I, said, I love I? having you. I just, uh, so passionate about your message. Thank you for, for encouraging. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about our podcast, encourage, equip and elevate, and you did all mm -hmm. three. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do. Three. It was great meeting you, Andy. And I, cause yeah, I, I use your podcast with my team. I, oh, as okay. a resource. Oh, wow. I, I love you. it. I, I encourage them to 
be listening. So thank you. Yeah. Well, we're just, yeah, it's part of the elevate mission is, is yeah. uh, just give people something to think about. Yes. And for those of us listening, thanks for again for joining us for another episode of Sales with Aslan. And I hope you'll join us again on our next podcast. Tabitha, who who we have on the next podcast? Is it Biden? It's Bill Bill Clinton. Oh, Clinton. Oh, we're having Clinton. Okay, we're having Clinton. I got Perfect, the wrong yeah. president. It won't be as good as Andy. No, no. But no. it'll be. A, but a, you know, obviously, give us some feedback. It's, uh, tell us how we can be better. Um, and we we always love your comments. And um, thanks for joining us again for another episode of Sales with Aslan. Thank you.